I, I've been on the continent this week. I can't quite remember which language I'm supposed to be speaking. Um, how is your Spanish or your Catalan? You're in Barcelona, right? My Catalan's okay these days. I can just about get around. I don't get the chance to practice Spanish or, or Catalan that often, really, these days. So I can jump in a cab and order a meal and ask directions and uh, get a beer and, and all of that kind of stuff fairly easily. And start a rumour that Barcelona are going to sign Cesc Fabregas next week. And what, what, what was Barcelona's response to the extraordinary conquerors of North London. My God. It's the first leg. All right, so listen, I, I watched that game. It was an absolutely fantastic game. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I really liked the way Arsenal approached the game. I really liked the way Barcelona played. I thought both teams played really well. But the press coverage after the game was absolutely insane. They've got a 2-1 lead having conceded an away goal. That's not a good result for the Arsenal. It's not terrible. No, but... I don't think it's a great result. No, it's not terrible, but uh, you're right. And I think they're going to find it very tough in, in Camp Nou, given, you know, I think Barcelona on average scores three goals a game there or something like that this season. It might even be more than that. Obviously, had an extraordinary run of winning results uh, in domestic football. So, I, I, yeah, you know, great one-off performance. We'll see whether Arsenal can repeat that again. But but I think there is a there's a certain focus on um, on Arsenal here, given how many of the the, uh, the country's press are located in the same city. But um, I think and I think it does go over the top. I do believe that it does go over the top, uh, given that Arsenal actually hasn't won a thing for five years, and you know maybe that's that's quite important as well. You know, what was the response like in Barcelona? Well, um, I, I actually watched the game with the uh, international collection of. Uh, mobile geeks uh, <laughs> in a, in a in a bar on the beach, and uh, so yeah, I, I couldn't quite tell you what the fans' reaction was to it. Although um, there was a hilarious clip going round uh, afterwards of uh, a local commentator crying on TV. So <laughs> did you um, did you watch uh, Tottenham Milan out there? I, I completely missed it. I, I completely missed it. I, I'm afraid I was uh, uh, hobnobbing it with the uh, glitterati of the mobile world. <laughs> I, that's a a weird thing. I think the glitterati of the mobile world is just like a blinged-out iPhone 4, isn't it? Uh, there's some united interest in in that uh, Tottenham Milan match because uh, one of our very well-regarded old-time players, Joe Jordan, got headbutted by the world's most obnoxious footballer, and that's in a world with Craig Bellamy and uh, Robbie Savage in it. Uh, Gennaro Gattuso headbutting 60-year-old men, adding that to his repertoire. Very good stuff. That, that was quite extraordinary, wasn't it? And, and, and the UEFA have charged him with a minor incident, which will probably lead to a one-match ban. Yeah, it seems uh, extraordinary, really, doesn't it? Unbelievable. I mean, that's a really, really, really bad decision decision on the part of UEFA. Hey, what? That's a not not such an unusual sentence to utter. Uh, no, to go along with their £300 a seat ticket prices for the Champions League final, yeah. Bargain, cheap at twice the price. Anyway, coming on to real football, you know, yeah. proper games of football, United versus City last weekend. Uh, that was a derby and a half. It was indeed. Uh, I don't know, I think it was just one, wasn't it? There was no extra time played at the end. Unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. I mean... Where does that goal rank for you in the pantheon of truly great goals you've seen at Old Trafford? It's got to be one of the very best I've ever seen, but it's hard to put it in a list, isn't it? Because it, all great goals are different. And it's, I think great goals are not just about the, the skill involved in the goal, but 
well, the context, yeah. the opposition, the game, the person themselves, uh, all of that comes into play. And of course, history bent all of that. And, and so Rooney's goals very fresh in the memory and uh, all of that context as well as uh, the extraordinary finish. So it, right now it ranks extremely highly. So, so what about you? Where, where do you think that ranks? Is it one of your favourite all times? It, it, it's, it, it is definitely one of my favourite all times because I'm an absolute sucker for beautiful acrobatic football. It's not my favourite goal of all time that's ever been scored at Old Trafford. That that has to be Cantona's chip um, because you say that history bends the lens through which we view these goals but so does uh, flicking up your collar and looking around yep. the ground <laughs> because uh, that is a goal that was was brilliant but magnified by the absolutely fantastic celebration and you know I mean so many of Skulls' absolute belters goals going back to my childhood scored by Brian Robson and, and Sparky's you know Sparky scored one like that every week didn't he uh, you know a bit of a flying volley from the edge of the area so uh, th- th- there's been some extraordinary goals and, and the pure aesthetics of that goal are slightly spoiled by a couple of things that happen in the build up but the finish just, just for pure execution of a finish it, it was just absolutely mind bending stuff phenomenal and, and you know he clearly absolutely meant it and anyone saying that it kind of came off his shin it did but it, he used his foot to to kind of cushion the direction of the ball and and you're always gonna there's always going to be a bit of an aspect of you could argue that there's always going to be some good fortune in getting the ball to travel in exactly the right this direction that you're trying to hit it in when you're kind of in midair with your foot higher than your head's supposed to go but it was just beautiful and my favorite bit of that goal was our bench going absolutely mental uh, the look on ferguson's face just like disbelief at what he'd just seen and, and this is obviously a man that's seen it all so it was, it was brilliant the bench did go crazy including all the players and, and fergie and I, I think there were a few expletives let they out as were. well weren't there? and um and yeah coming back to the the finish uh well it kind of hit the foot in the, dang, the bottom of his shin pad i suppose but uh, so what i mean colin Moore was having a rant on Twitter and uh, you know, the only thing he's ever hit hard is Ulrika's face so I think that man can just uh, go and stick that one where the sun don't shine um, great goal and, and um, it's a great finish to a game in which United for, for quite a while were, were the second best team I thought yeah I mean I have to say our first goal was a monumentally brilliant goal as well I think if that had, you know if it, if it hadn't been over overshadowed by Rooney's goal we'd be kind of singling it out for special attention in fact I'm going to anyway because it's a lovely ball from Giggs, but, but maybe just slightly over hit. And Nani's first touch to control it and bring it down was absolutely extraordinary. So in, in the final third, our execution was, was pretty impressive. But yeah, we, we definitely struggled. What, what was your take on it overall? I, I actually didn't think it was a great game a lot of the time. And uh, I think the excitement of Rooney's goal and the, the finish, and it's very late in the game, of course, and, and all of that perhaps bumped the star rating up uh, to a bit more than the actual quality of the game deserved. So yeah. I didn't think it was brilliant, but th- but then again, um, it, it, I wasn't sure it was ever going to be. They, they both sides played the the same formation essentially with sort of five in midfield and and uh, there was a lot of congestion and the game was compressed to about a third of the pitch for a lot of the time United it wasn't it was far from a great performance but it really really doesn't matter because it was such a meaningful victory I mean we talked about it I was really nervous about that game I, I, I didn't necessarily see us winning it and, and and it just seemed like there was so much at stake and that, that's an enormous three points really just enormous really important three points yeah not not 
only because Chelsea failed to win as well against Fulham, so a little bit more of a gap there. Also, that no, you know, we've put um, more space between us and City. I, I suspect that's ended all hopes that City had, and uh, so it might now well be that the Premier League is down to just United and Arsenal. I mean, I, I still think I, I kind of think obviously that you're right about that, but I still think that there's an outside shout that one of the other teams, because because both United and Arsenal do look like they could fall apart. You know, it, it's pretty it's pretty unlikely when you need two teams to collapse uh, in order to have yeah. a chance. Of, of course, the Euro- European competitions will play a part as well, and and it really depends on how long United and Arsenal stay in the competition. United play next week against Marseille, and uh, Arsenal, as we we briefly mentioned at the top of the show, uh, are already in action. And if both go through, then fixture congestion plays a part, and if one gets knocked out, fixture congestion might not play a part, or confidence might be shot, and all of that. So there are a lot of factors in play here. Yeah, I mean, I, I cannot see the Arsenal getting past Barcelona. I just can't see it. I think it seems to me to be a, a massive long shot. Not you know, not not even close really in terms of the the chances that they're going to do it. I mean, they might. It's not totally out of the question, but but I don't know. I, I'd almost be less surprised if Crawley hold us to a draw than if uh, Arsenal go to the new camp and manage to hold on to that sort of half a goal lead that they've got. Yes, well, I mean, given given that uh, United will be playing the reserves and Darren Gibson. Uh, the G-bomb, please. The, the G-bomb. The, the G-bomb uh, against Crawley, then there's every chance that Crawley might pull off a, an unlikely result. I guess we'll come on to that in a bit. Before we leave the Manchester derby, though, did you see Mike Summerby? I guess you Oh, yeah. know, I'm glad you, even though you were abroad, you managed to to catch that. What a terrible bit of falling apart on television. Complete and utter tool, wasn't it's he? It's just like, it's just ridiculous. It's uh, To be honest, it's like when we bang on about the London-based media constantly going on <laughs> about the Arsenal. It's just ridiculous. Oh, there was two teams in it, you know? It's... Yes, yes, there were, and they did both play well. We're talking about this goal that's just been scored. It's one of the most extraordinary goals of all time, scored to win a derby. You silly man! <laughs> yes, yeah, there were there were certain words I was uh, saying about that, and silly wasn't one of them. But yeah, <laughs> I, I I think he put the bitter in uh, the bitter blues, didn't he? So it's, it's incredible, really incredible, and uh, obviously uh, very hilarious as well. Say it was nice to see. Uh, Dwight York taking a bit more of a United stance in that moment and little Jamie Redknapp he didn't know what to do with himself did he wasn't he he didn't enjoy that he, he likes it when it's non-controversial I think yeah yeah it was yeah. really it was kind of sad in a way because Mike Summerby was a brilliant player and everything and and you know he was every right to be proud of his uh, career at Manchester City and was a very important player for them obviously one of their very storied heroes um, and and you know if, if, if the result had gone the other way and say I don't know Steve Coppel or someone had been in the uh, in 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 the punditry doing from a United perspective. I'd be I'd be disappointed to see that. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah I know, but I think some of it reflects reflects the the city masses, or in fact, given how many actually turn up at Wastelands these days, millions of pounds spent on new players, and and uh, it's empty half the time. But apparently, yeah. the city's theirs. That's what I hear. This, this yeah. is the rumor that I hear from a distance. I think that's just the size of somebody's girth. Surely, I think what they mean is. My Manchester City, the football team, is theirs. Well, that's fair enough, although yes. that's not true either, of course. No, well, no, it's not. <laughs> that's the plaything of some Arab sheikhs. As we 
may be ourselves in the not too distant future. Well, who knows? Both sides are denying a deal is imminent, which normally tells you something is uh, just around the corner. Why right? would that story go away? Is it is it because there's some reality in it, or is it because it's just paper talk and and it makes a degree of sense and it's a good story? Well, there's there's a bit of that. I suspect there are some uh, bankers involved in the deal who are talking. That is what I'd I'd think is probably is probably happening there. I, I, I uh, there's too much smoke. My personal view. I actually don't have any evidence, so you know, to back that up. And uh, I, I don't think um, spending any time in Barcelona at a mobile conference did uh, did much for my contacts in the uh, Middle East football world. I don't know. There's a, there's some connections between Barcelona and Middle East and football nowadays, aren't there? Th- that is very true. Yes. It's coming up to that time where we've got to face a. <clears throat> excuse me. Drum. Everyone just mentally put a drum roll in here. There's a potential banana skin on the horizon. I felt that that, that level of cliche needed needed a massive build up. Fergie's going to drop the G bomb. I I imagine that Bebe might get a run out. The uh, very lacklustre Gabriel Obertan, who I was very impressed with when he first arrived at United and, and has dropped off quite badly. You guess maybe what John O'Shea, Fabio at left back. Yes, yes. I think I think uh, basically a whole host of the players who have not been uh, getting many minutes will play, and it'll probably be a mix of sort of reserve and and fringe players, and probably more fringe than reserve actually, because United you know, have a, a decent sized squad and quite a lot of players haven't played much. I suppose we'll see little Mickey Owen as well as the G bomb and and all of the above. I believe little Mickey Owen has done and crocked himself again. Oh, no, I, I could be wrong there about that. But I am out of touch in that case. Yeah, yes. I, I, but no, he won't be risked. Apparently, it's unfortunate. He's given himself a groin strain. I'm not sure how that happened. Just going to assume it was training. Little Mickey Owen, who every time the retirement of of Phenomeno this week has uh, had me thinking a little bit about strikers who are slightly underrated because of what happened to them later in their career and. It was more of a precipitous drop-off from less of a high height for little Mickey Owen. But Michael Owen was really a phenomenally gifted player, wasn't he, at one point? Well, his, his international record says a lot, doesn't yeah. it? It's, it's a, a, a goal every other game. And uh, in, a, in an England team that, that was never particularly special. Uh, although probably during um, the height of Owen's career, better than England actually has now. So, yeah, he's had a very good career. Very good career. He's, he's for me, certainly not in the elite of world players, over the last decade and a bit but and and uh, 18 I think many people suspected he would become that yeah. and uh, he didn't and the injuries played quite a significant part in that I think but, um, and Ronaldo managed to be that elite player in spite of those injuries because even when he was carrying quite a few extra pounds at Real Madrid his goal scoring record was still absolutely extraordinary I feel that as Manchester United fans a tip of the hat to the retired great is far from inappropriate I mean A this is a football podcast and the man set the world of football on fire uh, so I think it would be churlish not to note his passing from the game uh, but also one of my all-time favorite footballing memories I mean you know I'm an absolute sucker for sportsmanlike behavior and our fans giving him a standing ovation when he got subbed off after scoring a hat-trick against us really goes down as a in the pantheon of, of great moments of watching sport in my career yeah I, it was a great moment great game and a real shame of course because you know I do 
were knocked out. But but yes, yeah, so it was a really good moment. Actually, my, some of my favourite moments are uh, for when um, Ronaldo played at Barcelona earlier in his career, and sort of late nineties before that, that uh, move to Inter, which he never actually wanted. So I think he had a year at Barcelona, didn't he? He was absolutely phenomenal, just running at players. Scored forty six and forty seven in that year, which is not bad. <laughs> that is not, not bad. bad in one season. It's, it's all it's all right. I mean, you know, it's, it's less than a goal a game there, so you should probably be embarrassed about that. Yeah. But, but yeah, that, he was absolutely phenomenal then. And uh, yeah, he, he, unfortunately, not only did the injuries cause him problems in his career, but so did the pain. Well, I mean, you know, he genuinely had a thyroid problem. I mean, you know, th- th- it's, it's all very easy to make fun of him for being chubby, despite being a professional footballer, but he genuinely had a thyroid problem and also was pumped full of steroids at PSV in order to bulk him up, which cannot do your system any long-term favours. No, no, ne- neither does clubbing till four in the morning and going to drive through McDonald's. But <laughs> No, that's true. It's certainly an element of self-creative. But yeah, I- I- I'll miss Ronaldo. I, I-, I loved him. I've-, I've spent a lot of this week watching Ronaldo on YouTube. Why I'm, being- I'm going on about it. There's a 15-minute video just of his dribbles, and I-, I watched it all the way through without getting bored at any point. <laughs> is that is that at 3.01am in some nightclub when he slumped in the corner? Or? <laughs> yeah, world-class dribbler in more ways than one. So yeah, so long, Ronaldo. We'll miss you, and, and I hope he remembers that standing ovation he was given at Old Trafford. And I, I was thinking it's only, you know, uh, seven or eight years ago that, and, and yet I'm not convinced we would give an opposition player a standing ovation now. I wonder if the football culture of football has changed, even in the last half a decade, enough that that, that means that would be very unlikely to see nowadays. I don't know. I, I still think there is a, a sense of... Uh good sporting behaviour at Old Trafford but it depends on the opposition doesn't it and uh, you think if Messi came to town and took us apart you know yeah I, I think uh, I think I think there would be a, a good round of applause yeah alright well I'm glad to hear that that's nice to hear and uh, let's hope we never have yes, to see it yes quite, quite. take apart I very much um, right, let, let's hope Crawley don't take us apart <laughs> and <laughs> frankly given the disjointed nature of the side that Ferguson is almost certain to put out uh, it, I don't I don't suspect it's going to be a very pretty game on well, Saturday evening isn't it yeah given that um, Mike Lowen's injured again who do you think will play up front well I, I suspect a lot of those players that you mentioned earlier so of course Machado is uh, off in Italy and I, I can't imagine that Berbatov or Rooney will actually play so I suspect we'll see Obertan and, and Bebe and and may, maybe some of the younger reserve team strikers uh, will be given a go um, and uh, he, he'll crib from the, the rest of the squad somewhere I mean Hernandez will play you would imagine yeah I, w- I, I would I would guess so I mean he deserves the game he's, he's, he's better than having to face um, Crawley Town mind you but uh, last time uh, Obertan got a game he, he, he did play up front so I suspect that's probably what will happen again. So maybe Bebe on the right, Obertan and Hernandez up front. Who would you play on the left of midfield? Well, it depends on the formation Fergie chooses. Of course, uh, he, he completely mucked around with the, the formation in the last round and uh, that caused an awful lot of problems, didn't yeah. it? So, um, But there's been some talk about trying to convert Bebe from a, a winger, which he's certainly not, into more of a, a traditional centre-four. So, yeah, maybe they'll, they'll play the three up front and, and Gibbo and some others will get a game in the centre of midfield. 
there. I, I suppose Anderson needs some minutes, doesn't he? He does. Again, he, he, he's obviously better than facing Crawley, but but huge game in midweek, so you can see why we're saving saving players, because uh, away at Olympique Marseille, I think it's probably not going out on too much of a limb to say that game's going to be really boring. We're so boring away in Europe. We we are, yes, and we'll see. I mean, it's obviously a fantastic atmosphere at Stade Velodrome, and, and they're you know, some of the most passionate fans in European football there, and, but United are very negative away from home in Europe. I mean, five in midfield, Berbatov will not play. He, you know, history tells you he plays in about one third of games that you'd class as big mm. games. Like, so against the, the other members of, sort of the top five or top four or five, and, and uh, especially in the Champions League. And uh, I would be very surprised if, if uh, Ferguson does not just employ running up front on his own and, and pack midfield. Yeah, and to be honest, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There's, I don't see much as I would like us to be swashbuckling. Um, we're not swashbuckling away in Europe. We're very swashbuckling at home, and we'll have to make do with that. So I think we'll, you know, he's he's just so experienced in Europe, and the squad as a whole is so experienced in Europe that that they'll do a job, won't they, and get a one nil win, or you know, maybe lose two one or something. You know, something somewhat irrelevant, a, a low scoring game where we don't come off particularly the worst of it. That, that's what I expect is going to happen. Yeah, and, and Marseille have been inconsistent this season, and and uh, actually one of the problems they've had, and this is what leads me to suspect that it might be a pretty tight game as well as, as the United's tactical outlook uh, is that they, they're just you know, not scoring many mm. goals. Uh, yeah, they're, they're top goal scorers are Ginak and, and Remy, and they've, they've got five each, and it's uh, not exactly you know, sticking them away, no, is it? they're third in Ligue 1, which is, is not a bad quality of football, but obviously famously a very low scoring league isn't it so that's French football is, is not is still not up there with the rest of uh, Europe's elite I would say although of course two semi-finalists last season Lyon made the semis and got thrashed yes, by, that's right. by Munich and uh, one one semi-finalist uh, yes, although made right. quarters in that case didn't they yeah um, so in any case uh, I, I think uh, I, a little has changed in the intervening months since the draw to, to suggest to me that Marseille are going to turn United over over two legs and, and I think if United went away and got a, a 1-0 win or a, even a 0-0 it, it would be a very good result and although you have to say in, in modern European football 0-0 away from home is actually not a very good result no absolutely not you you want that goal yeah so I mean if, if United went away and turned in a performance like uh, the one in Valencia where actually the side wasn't very good but did enough and, and got that late goal then uh, I'm sure Ferguson would be very happy uh, just a bit of breaking news uh, was perhaps interesting regarding the Crawley game New squad numbers have been announced. King, Joshua King, 41. Pogba, 42. Tuncliffe, 46. Sorry, Tunnicliffe. Uh, Norwood, 47. Um, Ravel Morrison already had 49. And Brady with 37. So I wonder if that's just a coincidence or if that might be significant ahead of the Crawley game. I, I, I suspect they're all in the matchday squad and being, and being considered. Of course, some of them have had squad numbers before. And just it's this season, they've not. Uh, Joshua King's been uh, away on loan and, um, and has come back after Ferguson threw his toys out of the pram when his, when his son got sacked. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see some of the kids play. I'd much rather see some of the kids play than uh, than John O'Shea, but but I suspect, you know, he'll he'll play fringe players because they need they need the games more, don't they? They do, and uh, I, Ferguson's always thinking about the big picture, isn't he? And, and he'll be thinking about, I need to make sure some of my players have minutes uh, ahead of the running in, in Europe and the Premier League, and just in case they're needed. Talking of uh, thinking about the big picture, 
picture, the long-term picture of who's going to be at Manchester United next season is becoming clearer. Uh, standing ovations, please, for our left flank as Patrice Evra and Ryan Giggs both signed contract extensions, obviously. Patrice's is a bit longer than Sir Ryan's, but we will get to see Giggsy gracing Old Trafford for at least one more season. And why not? He's been good when he's he's played this season and, and Ferguson's using him fairly sparingly. Uh, but but yeah, I, I, I think he's, he's, he's still got enough that he's valuable to the United squad and uh, and if he doesn't want to retire then that's great and and ever I'm, I'm almost a little bit surprised about it. it's funny there's, there's a, a few schools of thought on this one one was that um the, the club were playing a game by uh, leaking out rumors of uh, interest in uh, Fabio Contentrao the uh, yeah, sporting or is it Benfica left back that's right Portuguese left back uh, in order to drive Evra's price down a little bit and uh, of course on the other hand the Evra camp was you know, uh, not denying uh, any interest from Real Madrid and Real Madrid uh, have had a long held interest in him so there's been, there's been some sort of funny politics going around but it's, I think it's great that he signed a new contract and um, it, it would have been quite disruptive to the United backline given uh, you know, really Ferdinand's ongoing injury con- Concerns and Edwin van der Sar retiring, and so to lose another senior player would have would have been a real problem. And it's great that he's staying. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I'm hoping is that he'll do a Vidic-style kick on from here because Vidic's form suffered a little bit during his contract negotiations, and it, it, I would suggest that Evers has a little bit as well. Although part of that, I, I think that's a slightly more complex picture you know how much football he played last season and that disastrous and emotionally draining world cup experience all that sort of thing right and the f- fact that the uh, ffff FFF. I can't remember how many F's there are. Quite a lot of F's. About that many, I think. It's yeah. about seven. Yeah, well, and it's probably about how many people actually select the team at the uh, at <laughs> government level you know, these days. Because uh, obviously there's there's been quite a lot of ministerial input into Evra's ongoing expulsion from the national side. Doesn't this mean that France should not be allowed to compete in major international tournaments now? Government interference in football is strictly prohibited by the international body of law that is FIFA. Well, I, I I think if you watch their performances in the last World Cup, they definitely didn't compete. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, listen, uh, I've got a few important Twitter-related things to say before we wrap up the show. Uh, first of all, thanks to uh, Steveville, uh, that's S-T-E-V-I-L 54, who said that he wanted us to discuss Mike Summerby's Derby rant this week uh, and provided us with a helpful link to it. Uh, I have to say there was absolutely no chance we were not going to discuss that. Awate 91 who would like us to do a detailed tactical analysis of United's 4-4-2, which we've not had time for this week, but we'll try and slip that into a show when there's not much going on. Yeah, we will. There's, there's quite a few. Uh, there's quite a few posts by Jay Sean on the uh, on the website and on uh, how United have played a slightly different 4-4-2 this season. So uh, have, have a read of those if you get a chance, and uh, and perhaps we'll uh, we'll have a chat about that next week. We will definitely come back to that, and I think actually when we do our end of season look back, I think tactics will be quite a part a big part of that because it's been a really fascinating season tactically with some some raging successes and some not so much and I think that the way that it all shakes out from here will be a part of how we look back on that obviously um, and I just have to mention at Trisha RKG because she said that we have to so you know that's really all it takes if you want to shout out on the rank cast oh, oh dear we're cheap we're cheap <laughs> uh, of course I, I, I have barely twittered at all this week and uh, I, I do apologise 
apologise for that, but uh, I've been uh, running around rather busy in the actual day job. I, uh, sadly, uh, I do have to work for a living too, as well as the, uh, the doing the rank cast, which of course you know is my one true love. Yeah, absolutely, badge kisser. Um, it, it's great to have you back in England, Ed, and, and congratulations on your commitment to rant cast duties. You basically are almost literally still on the plane back from Barcelona. <laughs> not, not far off, not far <laughs> off. So, 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 that's impressive stuff. It's a bit like, you know, uh, signing for a new club and then yeah, getting off the plane and going straight to the ground and, and making a substitute appearance and scoring a winning goal. That's, that's what it's like. So predictions, two games, two predict for all my doom and gloom and my I, I tell you my number one prediction is going to be two really boring and frustrating games this week I'm really sorry to say I'm uh, having having really enjoyed watching Barcelona against Arsenal I must confess not to be that excited about us against Crawley or uh, us away in Europe so I think the over under for the total number of goals in the two games I'm setting at about four and I think we'll beat Crawley wall 2-0 and we'll sneak a win 1-0 against Olympic Marseille of course of course 2 and, and 1 equals 3 but you know ah, I said that's why I'm setting the over under <laughs> at 4 give myself some wiggle room fair enough fair enough so I'm with you on that I'm with you on that I think I think Crawley will be a frustrating game because I, I, I just can't see a uh, ramshackle United side you know putting in a stunning performance and let's just hope it's not as bad as the one that uh, that, that uh, probably very similar side put in at West Ham in the Carling Cup but I'm sure United will win uh, yeah, Crawley of course are you know effectively division five so a two or three nil win uh, will suffice and uh, i think united will go away and win one nil uh, in southern france i hope you're right about that i think that the g-bomb will score and hopefully the stretford and Ren- stretford end will erupt with a chant of g-bombs found his level g-bombs found his level no 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 you probably no, get but- paid more at crawley as well isn't it i think we spoke before about their rather dodgy financing one thing we didn't mention this week is uh, the shining night of world football the the cleaner than clean squeakier than squeaky green and gold scarf wearing legend that is mr david beckham uh, i don't know if th- this news filtered through at worldcom but there was a family standing by the side of the road who should pull up in his incredibly expensive car and help them push their car than the one and only david beckham He's a legend. He's a legend. Yes, he is. And 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 you know, in fairness, part of me wants to say, yeah, well, you know, he just knows what the PR will look like. Well, of course, maybe, maybe it was Rebecca Lee's, and uh, we know what Bex likes to do to her on the the car. Yeah. Anyway, that's terrible. That's that is. I'll get my. See, case. this is why we need at G J Graham W to uh, defend us in court of law against all your slanderous allegations. I guess uh, that kind of wraps it up. Uh, we'll we'll leave you with that mental image of David Beckham. No, don't. No, no. We pushing won't. a car down the freeway. Oh, okay. We'll leave you with that one. Uh, see you next week. Goodbye. Okay,